Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. You know, this morning, it's interesting... We're looking, going to be looking at an incident here in chapter 12 where some folks make an accusation against Jesus and Jesus responds to it. And the reason why they make this accusation against Jesus is because they don't really understand who he is. And, and I think that's really indicative of where we are even today because, to be honest with you, maybe you're here and you've gone to church all of your life or most of your life, you've gone to church. You can remember back when you were wee and you went to VBS or Sunday school or whatever, and you went to church, and the problem is is that in the midst of that, going to church, you never really understood what you needed to really understand. Now, what do you mean by that, George? You're making a serious accusation here. Well, what I'm asking you is, in the midst of all of that, did you really understand who Jesus was? Did you understand what he came to do for you? What he did for you? What's available to you now? Did you understand that? Chances are you didn't. Listen to what I'm saying. There are two lines of thinking when it comes to Christianity. And most of us are, are usually, and I've been there, are in one line of thinking, and reality is, is we need to move to another line of thinking. Most of us are operating in a line of thinking that sees church in terms of traditions. You grew up going to church, so therefore you need to go to church. You think of it in terms of what you're supposed to do as a Christian, what you're supposed to do and what you're not supposed to do, because you're told a lot of times what you're not supposed to do, right? And so you think in terms of that, and so your concept of Christianity is in terms of of a building, is in terms of a service to attend, is in terms of, of of an emptiness, because you're wanting something more, but a lot of times you come to church, and let's just be honest with you, you're not getting the something more. So you walk away empty. And that's the line of church, and that's where a lot of us are at. I've been there, where it becomes ritual and routine. And we have no expectations beyond that. But yet we will sing songs like the songs that we just sang in our service, where we sang that we'll run to his open arms. Okay, what does that mean? Well, if you're in that first line of thinking, that really doesn't equate to anything that we know of as far as our thinking. Run to his open arms... That kind of concept is kind of foreign to us, but we'll sing it because that's what we're supposed to sing at church. But we really don't know what that means. We don't have any comprehension of that. Run to God's open arms? Does he have open arms? Does God even have arms? God's a spirit. See, that's the second line of thinking that we all need to get to, and that's this, because we're talking about the last song we just sang is the the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. Do you remember that line? lives in us. We sang that a couple times. Lives in us. What does that mean? See, there's a second line of thinking that most of us are oblivious to. 
And that is that there is a living relationship with a living God who wants to interact in your life and show himself mighty in your life, but we really don't have any understanding of that. And let's be honest, we have no expectation about that because we're all on this first level of thinking. Now, he said, okay, George, really, so where are we going at with this? I thought we were talking about Jesus today. Well, we've got to really understand that the problem is is why we're on that first level of thinking and we can't make it to the second level of thinking where we have this, we walk into a place with an expectation of, God, what are you going to do today in my life? What are you going to show me? How, who are you going to use me with? We don't have that expectation. It's because we suffer from, are you ready for this, indifference. We're indifferent to God. We're indifferent to, to, to Jesus. We're indifferent to spirituality. We're indifferent. What do you mean by that? Here's the reality. Many are unmoved by the reality of who Jesus is and what he wants. Oh, I believe in him. I believe he died for me. But that's as far as it goes. We, we believe in a concept and a truth, but we don't really understand it beyond that, that Jesus wants to interact in your life this week. Today, now, that Jesus cares about what you're going through. Let me, I mean, just be honest. We've got this many people here. I know for a fact some of you did not have a good week. It didn't go the way you wanted it to go. Stuff happened that you wished didn't happen. And the fact of the matter is, is that in the midst of all of that stuff that's happening, in the midst of the concept, we don't even process on our level of thinking that God even cares about what went wrong in your week this week. Because we're not there. We're on that first level where, where Christianity and church is a service to attend, standards to keep. And he's not real to us. We're unmoved by the reality of who Jesus is and what he really wants from us. In fact, if I were to say to you, what does Jesus want from you? I probably would expect this type of answer. Well, he wants me not to do these certain things. And he wants me to act this way, think this way, speak this way. And we've got this list of rules that Jesus wants. Man, we're missing it. We're unmoved by the reality. Jesus, to be honest with you folks, the Jesus that we read in the gospel who, who went to parties and, and enjoyed the company of people and laughed with them, wants to laugh with you, wants to weep with you. But see, that if you're on that first level of thinking, you can't even process that. See, we're indifferent. Here's the second thing I want you to see about our indifference. They are content with a form of spirituality that has no spiritual power. When you're indifferent, you're content with a form of spirituality that has no power. What do you mean by that, George? Well, here's the thing. Most of us, and I've been there, are content with just simply going to church, saying that we go to church, it's coming in, sitting in the pew that we normally sit in. And you know, I come up here every week and I look out and, and I know where you sit because you're, you sit in the same place unless you're a visitor here today or just started coming. You typically sit in the same place every week unless somebody took your seat and you're not bold enough yet to say to them, that's my seat. And please don't ever do that, okay? All right? But you, you come into the, you come into church, you sit in the same row or pew or section, and, and you sing the songs and you hear a message, you maybe grab a cup of coffee, and every week you either get the big cup or the small cup, and you got your favorite creamer, 
and, 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 and you've got your ritual down, and then when that's done, let's go do lunch. We'll do it at home or go somewhere else. And life goes on the next week until we come back in, and that's that first line of thinking. We're content with this form of spirituality, but the problem is it has no spiritual power. What do you mean by that? How many of us really believe God answers prayer? Don't answer that out loud, but I mean that. Answer yourself that to your heart. When you, well, I pray, yeah, people pray all the time, but they don't necessarily expect anything either. We have a form of godliness, but no spiritual power. In fact, let's be honest, we make excuses. We've gotten good at seeing prayers not answered. We've learned to make excuses for God. What well, must not have been his will. Ever said that one? Must not have been his will. We've got a form of spirituality that has no spiritual power. In fact, here's the, here's the interesting, the verse that it comes out of is, is 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 5. Paul says this. He's talking about people in his day having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. We, we, we just said that. But here's the second part of it that we don't say that maybe should wake us up. Here's what he says. And from such people... Turn away. Here's the point he's saying. He's saying that there's these folks, they have a form of godliness, they deny the spiritual power thereof. The apostle says, stay away from them because they'll drag you down. Think for a moment with me. Some of you, you got saved later in life. You accepted Jesus into your life as your Savior. And remember, you believed that he could do anything at that point because that's why you got saved. That's why you trusted, because you saw him answer prayer. Remember those days? That's a long time ago, isn't it? Where are you at now? Are you like David? Restore unto me the joy of my salvation, he says in Psalm 51. Remember the joy you had back then? What's, what's changed now? I'll tell you what changed. We got drugged down. We started hanging around with a bunch of people who had a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. We've become indifferent to the reality of who he is. Do you understand what I'm saying? So we really don't have... So we have prayer time and we make prayer requests. We put them on the prayer wall and we want people to pray. But we're shocked when he does. We're shocked when someone says they don't have cancer anymore. We're shocked when somebody gets the money that they've been praying for. We're blown away. Is that possible, God? Are you wow? Then, but then we go back to the way it's always been. Like we don't believe it really. Although we'll say it because that's the proper thing because we have a form of godliness, right? It's indifference. And folks, I'm struggling from it, and the chances are, unless you have really grasped what I'm saying already on your own, you are struggling with it too. So what do we do about it? Well, that's interesting because we're going to come to a passage here that I think will help us to understand. Look with me at verse 22. It's a, about another healing and the response to that healing. Then one was brought to him who was demon-possessed, blind and mute, and he healed him so that the blind and mute man both spoke and saw. Wow, what a miracle. And the multitudes were amazed and said, Could this be the son of David? Now when the Pharisees heard 
it, they said, this fellow does not cast out demons except by Beelzebub, the ruler of the demons. But Jesus knew their thoughts and he said to them, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation and every city or house divided against itself will not stand. If Satan casts out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? And if I've cast out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore they shall be your judges. But if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or how can one enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first bind the strong man and then he will plunder his house? He who is not with me is against me. And he who does not gather with me scatters abroad. Here's what we're going to do, folks. We're going to see, first of all, the seekers. Verse 23 talks about those who are seeking. And and I'm going to be honest with you. In your life, there are people around you who are seeking. You may not be aware of it. I'm hoping that you will begin to be aware of it. There are people who are seeking. But then I want you to notice the flippant. That's the next section we're going to be in, the flippant. You know what flippancy is? Flippancy is is that you don't take things very serious. Flippancy, an expression of that is indifference, where you don't really get serious about spiritual things and about Jesus. We're going to see the flippant here, and they're represented by the Pharisees. And then what we're going to see is the call to get serious, where Jesus calls us to get serious. And hopefully he's going to call you to get serious, call me to get serious about getting off of that first level of thinking and moving to another level of thinking, moving our Christianity to another level of thinking, and hopefully that will radically change your life. Hopefully. So let's look at this together. Let's look at the seekers. Notice with me, we saw in verse 22 the healing. Look at the response in verse 23. And all the multitudes were amazed and said, could this be the son of David? A couple things I want you to see here. Number one, They were amazed at what they were seeing Jesus doing in people's lives. They were amazed at what they were seeing Jesus doing in people's lives. Do you understand what I'm saying? Some of you, when you first got saved, remember you believed Jesus for anything? Remember that? For some of you, that was the time period in your Christian life when he really radically began to change things in your life. He changed you. And other people saw it. They saw that there was a difference. They were asking, what's going on? You're different. And you were saying, well, it's church. Well, that's because all you knew to say, it was church. You know, I went to church and this happened and and I met Jesus. And they're like, what, are you gone fanatic or something? Or you remember that? You know what I'm talking? Some of you know what I'm talking about. There was a change and people were interested. They weren't necessarily interested at church, but they were interested in knowing What's this Jesus thing happening in your life? And why are you no longer doing what you're doing? See, this is what we see happening. Jesus does this healing and people are like, wow! They're amazed! Stop for a moment. I already know the answer to this. But when people look at me or when they look at you, are they amazed today by what Jesus is doing? I already know the answer. No. That's just George. Just for another typical week. Do you know what I'm saying? The seekers are amazed at what Jesus is doing in people's lives. There are people around you that would be amazed. Here's the second thing I want you to see. 
They have questions about who Jesus really is. They have questions. Can I stop for a moment? I don't typically find people who have questions about church. Did you hear what I said? I don't typically find people who have questions about church. Have you noticed that? Typically when people ask questions, they don't ask questions about church because they've already got a concept of church. They ask questions about Jesus. It's different. Because even among unbelievers, some of them have read some of what Jesus said and they realize that what Jesus is saying and what he wants is completely different than what you can find in a church, right? And so these folks were asking questions. Look at what it says there, verse 23. Could this be the son of David? That's a messianic title. Could this be the Messiah? See, the seekers are amazed to, to see what maybe God is doing in people's lives, and they've got questions about him. Now, here's the problem. That's the seekers. They're out there. And I'm going to be honest with you. In your life, at your workplace, in your neighborhood, in your family units, in your clans, when you get together with your clan for a family reunion or something, there is probably somebody there that has an interest in the things of God. They just haven't spoken up. They've got questions. They want an answer. They're there. The problem is, is that there's the flippant. They're the people who should know. They're the people who do have the answers, but they're flippant. Look at what this they, they, they think. I mean, it's interesting. Verse 24, now when the Pharisees heard it, they said, this fellow has cast out demons except by Beelzebub, the ruler of demons. Let me explain to you who Beelzebub is. Beelzebub was a Canaanite god. The Lord of Flies is what Beelzebub means. It means Lord of Flies. It was, the Jews used it to refer to Satan. It was a name for Satan. They referred to the Canaanite god, Beelzebub, as Satan. So basically what these flippant people are saying, well, you know, the only reason why he's able to do that is because he's doing it, he's able to cast out demons in the power of Satan. That's the only way he's able to do it. They're flippant. They're doing a couple of things here. This is what they're doing. Number one, they don't take Jesus or his actions seriously. They're not taking him seriously. Think about it. The folks who are seeking, they're asking the question, is this the Messiah? The people who should know whether or not it's really God or not, they're saying, well, it must be Satan. What's going on here? They're not taking it seriously. They're not. Can I tell you, that's the problem with George. And that's the problem with a lot of folks in church today. We come, we're on that first level. We come, we do, we attend, we, we do whatever we give, we volunteer. But our thinking is on that first level. We don't really take Jesus seriously in our lives. How do you know that, George? Look at the way we live the rest of our week. Look at the way we live the rest of the week. Look at how we treat other people. Look at how we act to the clerk at Walmart, even if they do mess up. Well, you know, somebody's got to tell them. Yeah, but do you really need to? Or the waitress who doesn't, we don't know what's going on in her life, but we got to do what we got to leave her a penny. Really? Seriously? Well, we're teaching them a lesson. No, you're not. You're teaching them that you're a jerk. 
Well, she's being a jerk. Well, I understand that, but you're a Christian. Act like a Christian. See, here's the thing. The flippant aren't taking Jesus seriously enough. So they make some stupid statement. Well, he's doing it by the power of Beelzebub, by Satan. Hey, let me ask you a question. I, I know there's probably only a few of you have maybe done that, and I'm not asking you to identify yourself because it's an embarrassing thing. I've been embarrassed at this. I've done this. Somebody comes up, and they're really excited because God answered a prayer. And they provided something or did something, and that was God. And I'm thinking, well, that was a nice coincidence. Wow. Isn't that amazing how that worked out? Never saying, yes, Lord, you answered prayer. That's the same attitude as the flippant, isn't it? Same attitude. We don't take God serious. We don't take Jesus serious. Here's the second thing. I want you to see this. About the flippant. They flippantly discredit Jesus. They flippantly discredit him. Can I tell you something? People are at different levels. Different levels, especially in their seeking answers about Jesus. And sometimes we know more than we should. What do you mean by that, George? Well, sometimes we've come to church so much, we've come to Sunday school so much, that we know enough about the Bible that we're dangerous. We know enough about Jesus that we're dangerous. And so sometimes we can respond flippantly to somebody who we work with or somebody in our family, somebody in our neighborhood, somebody that we meet at a ball game or whatever, and, and they can ask a question or maybe out of their question is a, is, a, is a searching there for trying to find an answer. And we just kind of flippantly answer them like, oh, well, you should know better. And we treat them like they're ignorant because they don't know what we know because we know and you don't. But all we do when we do that, can I be honest with you? Here's what we do. We discredit the Jesus that we call ourselves followers of. We discredit him. And so that seeker decides, well, why would I even bother going there? I don't want to be like him. That's the flip it. That's living on that first level. Here's Jesus' assessment. Here's the call to get serious. Here's the call to get serious. Look with me, verse 25 to 32. He kind of gives them an explanation. He said, every kingdom that is divided against itself is brought to desolation. Every city or house divided against itself will not save. If Satan casts out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? If I cast out demons by Beelzebub, 
By whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore they shall be your judges. But if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, surely the kingdom of God has come among you. Or how can one enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first bind the strong man? And then he will plunder his house. He who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters abroad. Here's what he's doing. Two things. Here's what he's saying. Number one, in that long explanation, trying to help them to understand that it's not possible for him to do it in the name of Satan, because why would Satan do that? He's showing this. Their flippancy reveals their ignorance about spiritual realities. So I already told you, sometimes I've done this. Maybe a few of you have done it yourself. Somebody asks a question, and so flippantly you give an answer. I'll tell you what that flippancy was. A revelation of my ignorance concerning how spiritual realities work. See, flippancy reveals ignorance about spiritual realities. You and I have got to realize that. Jesus is flat out putting it out. If I did this by the power of God, then you have the kingdom of God in your midst, Jesus says. But you don't see it because you're ignorant to spiritual realities. That's what Jesus is saying to them. Folks, is our indifference, is our indifference making us ignorant of the spiritual realities of God wanting to work in and through your life today? Is it? You've got to ask yourself that question. And then Jesus says this. I think this is like, where did he come from on this last statement? Here, verse 30. And he who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters abroad. What's Jesus saying here? Here's what he's wanting. He demands our loyalty. Jesus demands our loyalty. Okay, what's he saying here? He's saying, look, you guys, in your ignorance and in your, your flippancy, you, you, you're denying spiritual realities. But here's the reality. You're either with me or not with me. You either need to decide to get serious about me or you're against me. That's pretty straightforward, isn't it? He's saying to us, you know what? I don't want you living up here on this first level of thought about what church is. I don't want you to live there. I want you to live on that other level where you are expecting me to do something in your life, where you're expecting me to answer prayer. In fact, when I don't answer prayer, I expect you to say, God, why didn't you answer that prayer? I expected you to. We don't even say that kind of stuff anymore, do we? He's wanting us to live on the level that when we sing a song like we sang, running into his open arms, we really mean it. Man, when I'm hurting, I run to him because I know I'm going to find comfort. We don't even expect that anymore because we're on that first level. Jesus is demanding our loyalty because he wants us to get off that first level, go to another level. Go to another level with it. Do you want to go to that level? 
Hopefully you do. Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.